Okay, note to self, let's make sure we only give Aaron a handheld mic, right? Wow, good night. Wow. Well, maybe mine doesn't work right. I don't know. I mean, it's, wow, good night. Okay. Hey, uh, welcome to Kaleidoscope Church. This is week three, and we're wrapping up this series, and it's been an incredible series. But I want to start with a little bit of a confession. You've heard me confess this before, that uh, I'm not very handy around the house. You remember some of these stories, you know, I can barely change a light switch cover, things like that. You know what I'm saying? Well, this year I uh, decided to do some, uh, some home repair opportunities and take on some projects, and I was inspired by my wife. Our oven had quit working, and it wasn't keeping the right temperature, and uh, Christy had a conversation with some friends and was convinced that it was our heating element, and so she got online, opened up YouTube, watched a do-it-yourself kind of thing, figured out the part that she needed, ordered it off, offline, and uh, it came home, and we pulled our oven out, and uh, we... We put that bad boy back together, and it, it works correctly. Yeah. And so, yeah, she's pretty, she's pretty awesome. And so I'd found myself kind of lacking and slacking and thought, well, I, I, I want to be a hero to my children, right, you know? So uh, we had, um, a little over a year ago, we had this issue that happened. Uh, a pizza delivery boy backed into our mailbox, and ever since then, we've had the leaning tower of pizza uh, in our front yard. And... Um, I, we would push it up and it would slide over and depending on the weather, you know, the soil would loosen and it just kept falling over. So uh, I, I got online. I started watching these do-it-yourself kind of video things about what I could do. And apparently these big box retail stores sell something like kind of quick creek where you take four of this and one of that and mix it all together and you got to dump it in quick because it'll start to set up and hence the name quick creek because I, I I'm a quick learner so I'm figuring it out and uh, I, I made my batch I poured it into the hole I held my mailbox the angle I wanted it to be and I still have an upright mailbox in my front yard and I'm yeah yeah I mean it's it's not curing cancer but it's close you know and so uh so I decided, I realized that my garage doors weren't working, and um, I had an issue to where my remotes were not working correctly, and um, the little punch-a-majiggy on the front of your garage, you know, you're supposed to put your coat in, was not responding correctly either, and my boys were getting locked out of the house. Um, I didn't tell them it was intentional, but no, no, not really. Uh, and so I got online, and I began to watch this, and I figured it out, and I'll just tell you, I went to a whole new level on this garage thing. I actually bought batteries for my remotes and replaced them. Same for that little punch jiggy thing. I figured out where to push the button and how to get it all lined up. And I have two congruent garage doors, both different sizes, on different codes, appropriately now working at my house, you know? So I've, I've, this year's been a pretty good year for projects, you know? And so, um, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not tearing shingles off the roof or anything like that or building on a new room, but hey, people, that's tomorrow. We're going to get that done then. No. Projects, though, can be enjoyable. And I, I'll, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty intimidated by stuff like that. I just don't have a mind that works that way. Um, I can remember music. I can remember art. I can, uh, I can think creatively. But when it comes to, like, numbers and fixing things and how things go together, I just assume when you flip it on, it comes on. When you flip it off, it goes off. And that's just the way life works. But the summer has really been invigorating to me. And these projects have actually given me space in my mind where actually I feel like I'm doing something again. I have purpose. I feel like I can accomplish things. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm growing in new ways just by taking on a few of these projects. But then I begin to think about this and, and projects that, that are great and projects that aren't so great. And you know what kind of projects are not good? People projects. 
Some of you are smirking already. Yeah, we're going to go there. You got that friend, whoever comes up to you and begins to talk to you, and all of a sudden it's clear they're not really trying to be your friend. They just want to fix something they don't like about you, right? You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you, you see something in somebody else and you're just like, oh, if they just did this or if they just switched that and we just kind of uh, have this one-sided conversation where we begin to inject into their lives everything that's wrong with them and everything that needs to be fixed. People make terrible projects. They do. And I think if we've learned anything in this series about Kaleidoscope Church is that as we're looking at a church that should be all in, that we are all about the mission of what God's doing here and making a significant impact to the world around us, that when we're thinking about this kaleidoscope churches, we've been asking the question, what does our life look like from the outside? What do we notice that people notice about us or say about us that, that may actually be true? And if we're transparent today, and we usually are, the church tends to make people projects. Not intentionally. I think we all have good intentions, but the reality is something happens in our relationship where it's not about really being with or for each other. It's about just changing what we don't like. We're switching something we wish would just be different in them than the way they are around us. We've had this discussion about this kaleidoscope church, and a kaleidoscope is just simply, it's, it's a kid's toy. It's something that when you look into, you can begin to see that there are uh, different shapes and colors in here, uh, shards of glass or plastic or whatever it may be. And through a series of mirrors, as you turn this, you begin to realize that there are new shapes and designs and nuances that happen with each turn of the scope. And it was a reminder to us that we are all from different backgrounds. We all are different shapes and sizes and colors and backgrounds and so the truth of the matter is sometimes because of our past or because of our woundedness some of our shapes or colors can be a little bit jaded and can be more like a shard of glass than a finely refined jewel but somehow through the mirrors and reflection of God's character among us when we are twisted and turned and shaped we begin to we begin to give the world a much different image of what community can look like what unity can look like, how relationships can grow together for the betterment of each other, with each other, a new community that only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've kind of heard us walk through the series of where we've been trying to, to head with this, and today's big idea is simply this. To truly love someone, we have to build into each other. Now, this week is different than the last two weeks because we've talked about being uh, with people and for people, but this is about each other. This is where the rubber really begins to meet the road. And if we were to summarize really where we've headed over this series, we would say something like this. Love or unity is a progression, okay? To love people, we must be with them, which is about proximity, it's about presence, it's about being within relationship with each other. To love people, we must also be for them. This is about dignity. This is about treating every human being with the value that God sees in every human being and raising them up in their full potential of who God has created them to be. But this week, to love people, we must build into each other is about humility. Because when we talk about love and being with people, 
and for people, it can be very one-sided. And for love to mature and to become complete, we have to build into each other. Which means everybody has value in people's lives. We can grow and be stretched and be transformed in any relationship and any circumstance because we each bear the value of God in our lives. If you've got your Bibles, I want to go ahead and encourage you to open up. Uh, well, uh, open up to John chapter, First uh, John chapter four. But when we look at Scripture, let me just tell you a few things before we jump there. When you look at Scripture and this idea of a new community that comes because of a relationship with God, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, there are these phrases all throughout the New Testament that we would describe as one another passages, one another, like each of us, right? That when the Bible begins to describe how we are as a community, it's about how we would care for or treat one another. There are over 59 passages throughout Scripture that speak to one another passages or how each other should treat each other. Their phrases are statements like this. Accept one another. Bear with one another. Care for one another. Carry one another's burdens. Encourage one another. Forgive one another. Restore one another. Submit to one another. Now, I understand that's radical concepts when it comes to relationships and people. Because most oftentimes, the people we invest and allow to invade in our lives we usually gain something from, right? It's, it's about where we want to grow. It's about what we want to add. It's something that we want to hope for. But not every relationship is going to give you that. Not every relationship is going to be about fun. As one friend of mine would say, unicorns and rainbows, right? Some relationships are difficult, some relationships can even be unhealthy at times. But what we have to begin to realize, this is more than a concept about marriage or parenting or friendship. This is the foundational understanding of community built in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That one another, each of us, play a part in the growth, in the maturation in the unity of who we are as people who chase after God. And so that's why it's so important that we look at 1 John chapter 4 this morning. And 1 John chapter 4 is a series of three small books that really, in many ways, encapsulates this concept of what it means to live a life after God, which means loving like God. That if we want to pursue a life that reflects the very nature and character of God, then foundationally we must learn how to love like God loves. And so here's what it says in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. It says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not, does not uh, love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. 
He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved, but that he, meaning God, loved us and sent his son, meaning Jesus, as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And dear friends, since God so loved us, he also, uh, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And, has ma- and his love is made complete or mature or perfect or lacking nothing in us. I love this overall, I love this overall passage because it's, it's pretty much straightforward. And, and if you've been a part of the last three weeks, we've not picked any sort of passage that needs like some sort of mystery revealed, right? Some sort of secret decoding from a passage and you have to be a, a biblical scholar to unpack it. You can pretty much read these verses and begin to glean automatically some high priorities and values that are trying to be laid out for the community of faith. What it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to be a Christian, and how we should live our lives. But I like how one commentator began to summarize this section, 4, 4 7 through 11. And he explains how John is originating this idea of love, this calling to love from God himself. Let me, let me read this comment from you. It says this, The coming of Jesus Christ provides a compelling portrait of God's love for us. This theme, the compelling origin of divine love, weaves its way throughout this section. Thus John, an exhortation to obedience, does not come with a threat. Instead, obedience is encouraged through inspiration. God's inspiring love, God's generous affection compels us to obey. If he has done this much for us, how can we do anything less? Genuine love cannot be exhibited in any community unless it reflects God's love, unless it is empowered by the experience of being loved. It's an incredible thought. And the author, John, begins to kind of put it together, and he gives us some reasons why we might or why we should love one another. So let me ask this question for us. This is, why do we need, why should we love one another? I think there are a few, few reasons that John is trying to emphasize, emphasize or summarize out of this passage. First and foremost, the reason we should love one another is because our source of love is God. When we talk about love, we're not simply talking about a, a friendship love or an erotic love that someone would have between them and their lover, but we're talking about a true unconditional love, what scripture would call an agape kind of love, a, a, a love that loves because it is love, because of the inherent value that we are as God's creation. I mean, we have to understand that God loves all of creation, but we Humanity is God's most prized creation. God leveraged everything so that we might know his love. Matter of fact, God created us in God's image. And that tells us that we we have been impressed with, with a longing and a likeness to be in relationship with God. And because of that, we value every human being 
because they have been impressed with the likeness and the longing of God. But John makes it pretty simple here. He just says, hey, if you love, you must know God. And if you know God, you must be someone who loves. John's just trying to simply say it this way. If you call yourself a Christian, if you believe in the sacrifice of Jesus and you believe it to be for your benefit, that Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again, has forgiven you of your sins and gives you life everlasting, we are called to love. And because of God's great love, we will be people who love like God. And then he says the opposite. But if you don't love... You don't really know who God is. So let me, just, let me just unpack this for a minute. Because there are a lot of people in this world who want to say, I believe in God. I'm so thankful for what God has done. His love is so powerful in my life. But then we go live out our life and we see faces. We have memories. We have wounds. We have hurts. And what we begin to do is we begin to build these walls of separation and segregation. Things that are intended to protect us, to keep us safe. But in reality, what John is saying is, when we stop loving, when we refuse to love, we are verifying that maybe we really don't know God's love. Maybe it's really not changed our hearts. Does that, does that wake anybody up this morning and go, oh, that's deep. That's, that's an issue. I, I, need to, I need to pay attention to that. If you want to know what's on the test, that's on the test, people. How well do you love? How well do we love? And this is what's such a challenge, I think, from this passage is we all go, oh, if you know God's love, then you'll love others. And we go, oh, we should be a loving church. But then John says, well, and just the transverse is true, but if you, if you don't love people, you really can't say that you love God. And then you go, well, what do I do? Here's the choice, people. If you know God and his great love for you, you can choose to love, or you can choose not to love, but stop saying that you know God's love. You feeling that tension? Because we say things like, Oh, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Oh, we, we all are equal at the foot of the cross. We say all these phrases about how we're all in this together. But then as individuals, we create these divisions against each other. And so there's this conflict, this inner conflict that J John begins to speak to of the church. And he's trying to say, you may have seen it done that way, but that's not the way of Jesus. It may be normal to cut out people that you just don't like, but that's not the way of Jesus. You may be the kind of person that just pushes yourself away when things don't go the way you think it should, but that's not the way of Jesus. And so some profound implications come out of this. But John is saying this as well. Our source of love is God. God's very nature is love. Not simply an attribute, this is the nature of God. It's what his character is about, but it's also his nature. Second, 
God has proved his love for us. He did so by sending his son. John presses in. If you, if you really are unsure about where this love comes from or what it's about, let me just say it. Here's what it is. God sent his own son into the world, a pure, blameless, sinless sacrifice to be the example of purity in our world, but to also be the, the atoning sacrifice. It was through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection that we now have life. We now have the ability to live a life of love. God becomes the source. It takes us back to that passage. Remember out of John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. John's referencing that. But verse 17 is as powerful as verse 16. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. You see, you see what John's alluding to? John's alluding to this idea that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is about being with, about being for, and about building into the people around us. It's not for condemnation's sake. It's for rescuing's sake. It's so that we might all experience God's love and the freedom of sin and conquer the power of death living a life after God ultimately though third of all John is alluding to this it's how our love points back to God not only is God our source not only has God been our example but our love then ultimately points back to God I mean that's the ultimate point of love isn't it that it would point back to the source. It would point back to God. It would point back to Jesus. That the world would say, I may not know God. I may not understand it all. But if there is a God, that's probably what it looks like. Recently, I've been inundated with just some, some great experiences around the church. People have shared stories about love and jumping into relationship with people. Uh, sometimes it's messy. It's sticky. I got a friend right now, then if I'm transparent, we're probably more of an acquaintance than deep-seated friends. But I have an acquaintance that I've been cheering on over the last, about the last year of our church. It's a single parent who's had kind of a, <laughs> a tough past. I won't give you all of their issues. But it started out of a friendship. One of the friends went to church here, one of the friends didn't. They were kind of neighbors, Conversation began to come out, and out of that friendship, there began to be the, the difference between their lives, one knowing God and being a part of a church, and the other one really struggling and drowning in their circumstances. They're a single parent, and they've had enough history in their past that uh, there's a few fingers that could point and blame them. But this friend began to invi invite this friend to come to church, and they'd come every now and then, not so regularly. One would be very regular. One would be very irregular. But then it began to be a pattern. It began to be a faithfulness that began to develop, a, a trust walk that began to happen with God. And it's been an encouraging thing. I've seen my friend be baptized. I've seen my friend step into a group that has people just like them that uh, maybe have some struggles, maybe have some past, but are all saying, what could it look like if we followed God? And they've begun to build into each other. And recently, my friend, as, as they're battling uh, ch child custody issues, as they're trying to, to walk the line, so to speak, to set a new pace, 
They're looking for a new job. They're looking for a second job. They're trying to find things out. And, and, and you know what's happened in this friend's life? Multiple doors have begun to open and answer the needs of my friend. Now, I don't tell you that story because what I want you to know is, hey, if you follow God, everything's going to be perfect and your life is going to go just the way you want. Because I can tell you my friend still battles a lot of pieces. Sometimes their past speaks into their present. Sometimes their habits or patterns show up in circumstances they wish they didn't. But there has been this faithfulness, this spark of faith because of a friendship that somebody just said, hey, I, I don't have all the answers, but I will be with you, and I will be for you. And I, I think we should do a series called The Gospel of Facebook. Because if you were to look at this person's post and their page from who they were to who they are now, well, frankly, I can finally post some of their stuff on screen. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's one of those situations. Can we be real for a moment? No, it's not always perfect. But I told this person, I'm proud of you. Not all of us know what it's like to climb out of the pit of our past and have it be overwhelming in our lives. But I love the moments when like the first ray of sunshine at a good sunrise comes over the crest and somebody's eyes light up, not because they're not in trouble, <laughs> not because they're going to move on, but because they start recognizing that God is with them and for them and building into them because of the people around them. That's when the church looks like the church. Amen. And I wonder, when you've heard this series, have you wrestled with, do we look like the church? Or do we look like people who have gathered together, who look the same, act the same, think the same, prefer the same? Or are we the kind of people like Jesus that would open our arms and give of ourselves? so that the world might know God's love. One of the simple ways we've seen this happen on a church way is this all-in series that we were a part of. Many of you bought t-shirts the last few weeks, right? And we said, we, we want to raise some funds. We want to partner in a way that our Urbana location and our Champagne location can work together and we can fuel some expansion in Urbana, whether it's they need more space, whether they need more equipment, whether they need to do more ministry, we want to help. And so some 800 plus t-shirts were sold over about four weeks and uh, $11,000 came in and after all the bills were paid, over $7,000 is now sitting, waiting, ready for Urbana. When they say, we need to tackle this issue, we need to tackle that issue, they can say, we have money, we have resources, let's go, let's move, let's make that happen because we're building into each other. And Urbana couldn't have taken those steps without us building into them. And we couldn't take these steps of vision without Urbana stepping out in faithfulness to God. But that's what it looks like, individually and corporately. But Jesus says it this way. Jesus says it this way. As we think about building into each other and living a life of unity, Jesus says this in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have, have loved you, 
so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples or students or followers if you love one another. Jesus says, if you want people to know that you're on my team, love others like I've loved you. That's the litmus test. That's the litmus test. And it all points back to the glory of God. And we find ourselves thinking about this whole kaleidoscope and how God is twisting and shaping and conforming us into his likeness. And as people are peering in, we're wondering, are they seeing the thumbprints of Jesus or are they just seeing our our preferences of compassion or, or, or just simple acts of charity? Do they point to Jesus? Because what happens is this, this cyclical effect where God's love inspires God gives of himself, it stirs up in us a desire to love God back, which results in us loving other people, which ultimately brings glory to God, which reminds us to point back to this love that God has always had for us, which is inspiring for us to love others, which results in caring for people and people loving others to the point that it points back to God. It just continues to feed into itself. So that the more that we love others, the more we're loving God. And the more that we're loving God, the more that we're loving others. As we love God and others, unity begins to happen. As we love God and others, God is ultimately glorified. And so we become the kind of people who have, when we have experienced God's forgiveness, we learn how to forgive others. When we speak of God's grace and mercy, we live a life that extends grace and mercy. When we When we see truth and justice happen in front of us, we bring truth and justice to the people, to the people around us that need it. And even when we've experienced God's provision or service, we take that form of love, providing, serving, caring for one another. Let's move to our, uh, let's move to our time of response. So we started this series um, three weeks ago, three Sundays ago. And, and as a staff, we started this conversation about, okay, so what's it look like for us to talk about being a church that's built on unity, a church that's committed to loving the way only Jesus would love. And it was, it was the pie in the sky kind of conversation a year ago, and then it, then it got real time, it got here. We've gone through, as a staff or in his leadership, we've gone through some wins, some losses, some ups, some downs. And all of a sudden, there's some real-time life that, you know, maybe you sit across from a table with somebody that you're not on the same page with anymore. Maybe, you, maybe you're in a conversation or in a meeting where somebody made a, made a joke that wounded you. you know, even as, as church people and people who get paid to love Jesus, we're imperfect. We're very imperfect people. And sometimes it's, it's, it's a conflict to stand in a room where we say we love Jesus and then to go through hard times together. Now, some of you are new today, and what we're going to do in this moment, I want to take this step for a moment to, to explain what's going to happen here. And we're going to sing a couple songs, and we're going to take communion, which is the reminder of God's broken body and his shed blood, that his body was broken. That's what the bread points to, and the 
The juice reminds us that his blood was literally shed. We have these benches where people will come up during the songs and people will pause in prayer and we have people that will respond uh, by giving of themselves. So the giving boxes, the give app, or they'll take a connection card and take some next steps and put them in there. But many of you were in this room last week. And uh, I went really long last week. Do you remember that? Anybody get an amen on that? Were you here? Amen. I'm just going to tell you. God did surgery on my heart publicly. I'm a guy who tries to plan and prepare. I study. And I preached last week's message about being for people. And every time I kept saying before people, before their success, I kept being reminded of people or faces or names, people that I have anger towards or frustration towards. And I, I, I kept it together during first service. But second service, it was like God reached down, stuck his fingers in my in rib cage and just pulled my heart open and pulled my heart out. And I was embarrassed. I saw my heart for what it was, not some crazy visionary, but I just sensed that I'm standing here and we're talking about this and I'm not the only one who goes through this, but I haven't, I haven't said it. And so I, I said some things about how I hate that passage and how I've got people that I'm not for and I've got people that I've cut out and I've got people that I've held grudges against and just honestly, I just wanted to say, guys, it does no good for us to sit closely, to talk about how we feel so much better talking about love, how we should, you know, that's the kind of church we should be. That's the kind of people we should be. We're going to be like Jesus. And then we continue to, in our hearts, hold these deep-seated grudges to literally invest in these dark, toxic spots of our hearts and call it healthy. We have to come to a point that we repent. So last week I shared what I shared and I got off the stage and I sat down and thought, oh, I should go take communion. So I went and took communion and just with each step and each breath and as I'm eating the bread and drinking the juice, I'm just being reminded, God loves you so much, Danny. Why do you refuse to love people who hurt as much as you hurt? Who get scared as much as you get scared? Who fail as much as you fail? And I'm thinking about family members. And I'm thinking about friends. And I'm thinking about church people. And I remember going back to my seat, ready to just sit down and be done. And, and I just remember my heart's just, there's a breeze going through it. And it's, it's like God's spirit is saying, don't quit, don't quit. And, and I just felt the need to go pray. And so I joined some of us this, last week and I prayed. And I cried. And I pray none of you ever have to watch me cry because I'm an ugly crier, okay? Like Julia Roberts, ugly crier, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Vein in the forehead, carpal lips, the whole night. I mean, that's me. And I just began to sob. Guys, it does no good for us 
to have a spiritual pep rally where we feel good about ourselves and are reminded about God's love if we won't love like Jesus. And so as we sing these next songs, as we begin to remove and move in response, may it be authentic. May it be genuine. May it be a witness to those around us that we may still be broken people. We may still be shards of glass, but God is twisting and shaping and it's through his light shining through us that if we will love like God loves, they will see the design of a community that can only happen because of Jesus. You hearing what I'm saying? So today, you're going to have a chance to come to some benches to pause in prayer. You're going to have the chance to go to a table, to eat the bread, to drink the juice, to be reminded that it's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus that gives us new life. You have a chance to take your connection card, and maybe there's a next step that you need to take, whether it's towards baptism, whether it's towards a, a difficult conversation, whether it's towards whatever. You know what it is. Write it down. Get in a group, whatever. And then many of us will grab our phones and through the Give app or through one of the giving boxes, we will give back to God, not because God needs our money, but because we're building into. We're sacrificing ourselves so that the mission of God continues to be advanced. Friends, can we go ahead and stand? And as you sing these words and prepare to respond, may God open your chest. May his spirit blow through your life. And if there be a wound, if there be a hurt, if there be a face, may you bring it to God today. Because I'll just tell you, life is so much lighter this last week. And my relationships aren't fixed. But they will be. And the God who loves us so deeply loves our enemies just as deeply. So may we not be the obstacle. May we not be the wall. But may we be the bridge to learn to love in a way that only God can love.